Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Current, right then, history happening in real time. Now, Jesus goes off. John now decides that there's still more to be told. The Holy Spirit prompts him what to write, so now he tells the story. Now, this is what you'd want to do. Those of you who couldn't be with us, the rest of this chapter is nothing more than a, um, a capitulation of all of the Gospel of John. Particularly if you start here with, um, oh, I don't know, you could almost start anywhere if you'd like. Perhaps you want to start with uh, verse 41, 42. If you do this, you can do a study, and all this is is a summary of everything about Jesus in one little capsule passage of what John recorded in the first 12 chapters. This is huge for you. So if you want to get it all in a nutshell, this is all in a nutshell. That doesn't mean the rest of it isn't important, so just get the abbreviated, you know, Gospel John light. But it is to let you know it's all said in a summary. So let's go to that now, and we're going to end because this section right here is the last part of the heart of Jesus, and I call it the abandoned heart. After all Jesus said... After all that he did, let me say this, all the good that he said and all the deeds that he did that was good, everything he did was to help draw attention, watch this, to himself. Yeah, it helped some people, it fed some people, but all of that was so that they would get beyond their felt needs to see who he really was so that they would place their faith in him, have all sins forgiven, they can have an eternal relationship with him, have heaven as their home, and the whole theme of the book, as I taught you at the beginning, was the Gospel of John is called a belief for life. Life today, life forever. It's a belief. And the object of that is Christ. Now saying all of that, after all that he did, you still wonder there are people that have abandoned him. And so, here's where I want you to be as I go through this part. This is where you want to be mentally for a second. Hopefully. I want you to think about the people that you have given the gospel to over and 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 over again. However you've done it. And they still keep rejecting, mocking, not, not wanting a part of it, to the point now that you kind of backed away from it. And I can understand that. I've done that too. And you're wondering, is there any hope for those people? And I'm going to give it to you this way. The answer is yes and no. There may still be some, as long as they can wiggle a little finger, that they still might come to faith in Christ. I don't know. Only God and that person might know that. I don't know. But I can also say this. There are some that no matter how many times you give it to them, no matter how much you pray, no matter how many books on evangelism you learn and apply to that person, they will never trust Christ and they will spend eternity in hell. And God has given them up to that thinking by their own choice. So where does that leave you? Well, here's how I'm going to apply that. I'm going to say that as long as I have breath, since I don't know who will and who won't, I'm going to model and message those people in the gospel the best I can with what I have praying and all that. At the same time, if they don't trust Christ as Savior, I will always ask myself, could I have done a better job, humanly speaking? But on the other side of that, that's still up between them and the Lord. Only God knows. Now I'm going to show you where that comes from in this passage. So let's go. The abandoned heart. Verse 37 says, But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. So by the way, that means I don't care how many more signs God has to do for that person that doesn't mean you're going to believe, they're going to believe more in him. So it doesn't require any more signs. Oh, 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 oh this, is, this is good. Lord, thank you for this. It's not so much that God has to do another earthly sign in today's time. When I look at scripture, and this is another thing, give to your kids to do. This would be really huge. 
Have them pick out every miracle that God has ever done from Genesis to Revelation here in Scripture, anything that's, that's happened already. And mark down every single miracle, big or little of any kind. Those are already signs that he has already demonstrated that is recorded in history. What more signs does he need to do for us to engage? So let's go back to the passage. All right, so there's not any more signs. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? Not very many. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To as many as would listen to. For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again. Now this gets hard now. This is hard. Look at it. He, the Lord, has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and he spoke of him. So in other words, there was a connection between Isaiah and the Lord. And by the way, I don't have time to open this up, but it wasn't just talking about Jehovah Old Testament only. This is Jesus, the whole nine yards. Now it tells us Isaiah is inspired of God. It should be in the canon of Scripture. And Isaiah is the writer of Isaiah. And all of that fits together in the whole economy of God. Now stay with me again. Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him. So it implies that there are those in verses 39 through verse 41 that don't believe in him. They refused to believe. God hardened their eyes and heart. Therefore, they were not converted. And then there are those that will. Is everybody doing okay? Are you all with me so far? Nod your head, okay? I want to make sure I didn't overload you here with stuff. That's a problem sometimes. I want to read to you two commentators that said it better than I will ever be able to say it. Um, how to maybe understand a little bit more about believing and then not believing and then God judging and all of that and hardening hearts. So listen to this carefully. This one is coming from a commentator named Leon Morris. And here's what he writes. He said, when John quotes, he, the Lord, has blinded their eyes, he does not mean that the blinding takes place without the will or against the will of these people. These men chose evil. It was their own deliberate choice, their own fault. Make no mistakes about that. Now, if you want to do this this afternoon, I want you to read about Moses and Pharaoh and count how many times the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and then how many times Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And what you'll find, and I'm not going to give you the numbers, you will, you will find this. As many times as hard, Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Lord hardened his heart. So both of those are going on at the same time, and I'll explain that in a moment. The second commentator said it even better. This is by D.A. Carson, great theologian today. He said, it's a little heavy language here, so listen very carefully. God's judicial hardening is not presented as the capricious manipulation of an arbitrary potentate cursing morally neutral or even morally pure beings but as a holy condemnation of a guilty people who are condemned to do and be what they themselves have chosen. Did you catch that? That is huge. I like Isaiah 55, 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And here's how you interpret that. If you seek him genuinely, you will find him. The more light you're exposed to and the more light you respond to, the more you're going to get it. However, the light that you have, if you keep wanting to walk away from it, walk towards the darkness, your own will, then what the Lord is going to do is not going to chase you. That's your time now for the Lord to continue to allow you to continue in the darkness. 
until the day you die. And remember, the darker you get, the darker in darkness you get, that I'm going to tell you the harder and harder it is then for you to turn and see the light. Is it impossible? No, there are still some, miraculously, that are. But it might not be. Well, let's finish with this. It says, Nevertheless, there were rulers who believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So that means you can believe but not confess. I can only imagine what little influence you have and how you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for the loss of rewards and all of that kind of stuff. And I hope that I'm not that way. I hope I'm not a believer on the inside, but on the outside, I kind of go with the flow. It says, for they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. That ought to be marked in your Bible. Am I one of those that would rather have the applause of men rather than the applause of God? And I will tell you, you might not get the approval of men you're so concerned about. It's, you, I think today Christians are more concerned about the disapproval of man. Take that to the bank a little bit. We're not, I, don't, I don't know if they applaud me or not. I don't really care. I, I just don't want them to disapprove me. Do you see what I'm trying to say, the little fine line I'm trying to explain there? Maybe that's where we are. All right, let's go a little bit further here. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me, implying the deity. It's all on on the same page. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. So now he's elevating himself from the incarnation to God. I have come as light into the world, so draw a line from that verse to verse 36, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Woo-hoo-hoo. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, they will be judged, but I didn't come at this time to do that. Remember, John is writing this as he was listening to Jesus for the last two and a half, three years. He's hearing Jesus keep saying this, so he really got the message, and the Holy Spirit is now prompting him and writing this under his authority accurately. Then it says, verse 48, And he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. And that's true. What Jesus said in the word of God will always be our judge. For I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. We're going to stop with that portion of Scripture. Just listen to me here. There is a command of God. The command of God through Christ is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved or whoever you are that would believe in him you will have everlasting life. That is a command. You need to do the believing. So for me to have eternal life I must obey the Lord. But I don't obey the Lord underneath all the verses about righteous living because scripture says it's not by works. So I have to believe the Lord and obey him in one area which is not a work. In fact trusting in Christ is the only work that's not a work. So I'm obeying him when he says believe and what I need to do is the believing in him him and I have everlasting life and that's the command to everlasting life now Jesus said a lot of things that we need to listen and obey but all of that that he speaks in relationship to the gospel is giving us more information about who he is what he's done why we need to do it what it gives us when we trust Christ so all that's the salvation part that doesn't mean I only obey him for salvation and the rest of it say forget that I need to do the whole ball of wax but I can't put them both together otherwise I'll front load the gospel or I'll are I'll back in the gospel. The gospel is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Now, all that being said, I want to end with a testimony that's going to come up on the screen. It's not a video. It's real to our people. You who are guests here will remember these people. You're going to see them on the screen. Not, not that Carol is the lost person, okay? <laughs> but, um, it all began uh, 
before Christmas. It came, came with little Miss Janice, who's sitting over here. Little Miss Janice was at a bus in the Kapuhulu, Kaimuki area, somewhere there. Some of the little tiny details I, I may not have right, so give me some grace, but basically that happened. And so she was so burdened for these two ladies. One was named Uma, and the other was named Sarah, with two R's, Sarah. And in the little bit, she's trying to build a relationship to try to get him to Christ and maybe invite him to church, although bringing him to church isn't the issue. The issue is a relationship with Christ. But somehow found out that these girls were nice. One was Hindu, the other was Muslim, okay? Try to remember this. Uma, Christian, coming out of Hinduism. Sarah, rough, tough, hard to diaper, Muslim gal, not a Christian. Well, the girls walk off into the sunset. Janice is a little disappointed, brokenhearted, but she prays because Janice is a prayer warrior, soul winner. Now, Amelia up here in the front row. She's on the mainland and she's saying, Pastor, would you pray for me that I could give the gospel and maybe on the plane and all this kind of stuff. And I'm scared. And I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it. I'll do whatever I can, you know, and you know Amelia. So kind of prayed. Carol and I prayed. And things happens. Amelia's coming back and she's sitting next to someone by the name of Sarah and says, all about the church, all about God, gave for, I don't know how many hours, six hours, given the gospel because they were coming back here to, to come back to school because these two girls were in a special school program from India. And so that was basically it. And all of a sudden, who shows up at church is Sarah and Uma. Now, Uma is shy Christian, still having some Hindu tendencies, still wanting a little bit of the world type. But all of you had a part in it. When you saw them come in their whole headgear and their whole outfits, as you might see up on the screen, you didn't say, ooh, I don't know how to talk to them. I'm not going to be around them. You didn't make over them like there's some kind of gods and goddesses that walked on. All you treated them was like, you brought your family to church and here they are and you want them to meet some friends. You said hello to them. You got to know their names. You engaged them in genuine conversation. We would say on the island that you gave them aloha and it would be our Christian aloha to them. But that wasn't enough. So they started inviting. They came to Wave. They came to some of your events. They were hearing the gospel. They, they heard sermons like this. Now this is a parenthesis. You pro- this was a pretty deep message. Would you say this was pretty deep today? Okay, some of you probably would. They heard that depth of message. There was no seeker-friendly little mamby-pamby stuff. This is what we were preaching all along. Well, then Amelia said, I will be their, quote, mama. And so she, she owned those girls to just love on them, take her to the house, model Christianity around them, engage them in conversations. Speakers that came in from off island, we engaged them in conversations with them in an appropriate fashion. No, you know, man alone, girl alone kind of stuff. No, that junk. You know, so we got them together. They talked. We then uh, invited one of our dear friends from Probe Ministry, who's strong in apologetics, to sit down with Sarah and give her the gospel, go over why uh, there is no Allah, there is only one God, the Bible is, uh, is true and authentic and trustworthy, and the Koran is not, but in a very loving way. And I'm Sarah for a moment. Sarah took little baby steps in the light. Now she would say, ah, that's not for me, but I don't care what she said outwardly, inwardly, I'll be at church, I'll be at Wave, I'll come to your Bible study, I'll be around you. And so she kept coming and coming and and the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, was just like, like a tsunami just flowing over her all the time. And then um, after one of my messages a couple of, maybe six, seven weeks ago, she's on the lanai out there and we engaged again and Carol was there and others. And I said, I really need to talk to you about the true God. And we got 
not into an argument, but it was now time, fish or cut bait. You know that term, guys? Fish and cut bait. So now it's the time to say, you know, that won't work. This is authentic. If you don't trust Christ, look what you have to lose. And went through the whole plan of salvation. She says, I'm almost there. She left and she spent the afternoon with Amelia and, quote, they sealed the deal. And then soon after that, she said, but don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody because I could get killed when I go home in May. And she could because she's a Muslim going back to India and she has a whole family that are more than card-carrying Muslim people. And she even talked about how that people would die in the middle of the night. They call them some kind of killings, secret killings kind of thing, secret executions because they became a Christian. Now we hear stories about that but I never met somebody who's afraid of their brothers who yesterday they weren't and what could happen. So I said, you know, it's not my job to tell people about you. It's your job to tell people about you and Jesus. And she says, okay. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. I wanted to. I didn't say anything. Until she started to tell people. It's funny how Christians, once they really trust Christ, you can't help but tell someone. You don't have to say, go preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, want to do it. Now, they're a little baby Christian taking baby steps, but she's coming out, coming out, coming out. Who do you think the first person she called was? Her boyfriend. What do you think her question was? If I was, we were to get married, how do you feel about marrying a Christian? Now, I'm, you have to write her and see how that thing went. Then she started talking to her mom. And then I said, you know, one of the neat things is if you would really like to go public and either share your testimony publicly or at least get baptized by immersion. So we went through scripture. She says, I want to be baptized, but I don't want anybody to see me. I said, it, it doesn't work that way. I said, we've got to have some people around. So I said, you cherry pick your people. And so she cherry picked Pastor Dennis, Carol, Amelia, and her, is that it? I think that might be it. And so the day she left here to fly home with Uma, she was baptized at Alamoana Beach. And so I wanted you to see what happened there with witnesses and everybody seeing how she was. And she was very modest when she was baptized. So why don't you watch? There's a couple more clips here. And that's it. Now when you see her, how many remember seen her when she was here. How many remember seeing her? All right. Remember she came in her outfit. She went to our baptism in February and she was so excited. She said afterwards, we wasn't even a Christian then. She says, can I go swimming? Amelia goes out and buys her a modest bathing suit so she could go swimming. She's really growing. She took back piles of theology books. She had a couple of Bibles with her. We have her connected to people in India. There's different ones that are privately emailing her. And I'm going to ask you though, don't, don't, don't take this any further than what the Lord's going to allow our conversation to go. I'm using her. It's not about me. I know I'm in some pictures, so is Carol, but really what you want to see is Jesus. That this person was so anti-real God and was so enslaved by Satan who is cast out to believe this non-God. And yet, because this person was willing to walk in the light, they then believed in the light and now she's a child of the light. And that can happen to you unless you walk further into darkness. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Oh, can you just experience the richness of his word? Does it make you want to get more into it? Does it make you want to kind of learn it so you can see how all these things fit together like a kaleidoscope of color? But it's not just a, oh, I don't know, one of these paintings you don't even know what it's saying. But it's all fit together in the most beautiful masterpiece. And from cover to cover, the Word of God is nothing more than a picture of Jesus Christ as Lord. 
And Jesus is looking at you in a sense right now with the kindest of eyes. And he wants you to be in his forever family. He wants you to know what it's like to experience a relationship with him. And you'll never be happier and more fulfilled than when you are loving him. And loving him and loving the people he loves and being a part of his whole economy. And it's so beautiful because I don't know where you've been with this. Draw all men. I could make the case. Draw all kinds of people. Whether you're male or female or what your background is or what baggage you've got. He's going to take all of you. But you've got to come in through the door of faith. Will you ever understand it all? I don't think we ever will. Can we understand more tomorrow than we know today? Absolutely. And we should. But right now, you know enough. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus died and he rose again. Jesus satisfied the payment for the sin that you've committed. God now is willing to forgive you of all sin. You now come to him and you engage him by placing your little childlike faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, he that believes in me has right now everlasting life. You have it now, not when you die. You have it right now. So when you die, you're in heaven. But remember, it's not just fire insurance. It's knowing that no matter what you go through, Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. So not only is there light around you, but you now have light in you and no darkness. Would there be anyone now today that is sensing the call of God and you're ready to place your faith in Christ? Let me tell you, it's not going to be walking up an aisle or filling out a card or raising your hand. But it is going to be a genuine, wholehearted, 100% faith commitment to Him. Not an obedience to serve Him and all this other stuff. Don't, don't backload the gospel again. It's just faith in Christ. Sarah's heaven bound. Living in a world that's so challenged and she might even lose her life. But she knows that she has a life in heaven. How about you? Would you call upon the name of the Lord right now to be your Savior? Maybe you'd say something like this. Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. and I know my good works would never be enough to get me into heaven. And I'm coming to you just as I am a sinner. And I realize that you are the Lord who died and I'm depending upon your word. You said I need to not only believe in you, but to believe you. I believe you, Lord, when you say to believe in you. And I'm doing that right now. You can't make a mistake. God knows your heart no matter how you say it because it's not even so much a prayer. It's a, it's a complete transaction thing going on where it's all of him and none of us. Now afterwards, it's nice to be good. You should be good as a way to say thank you to the Lord. You now have the power to do all of that, but it doesn't get you saved or keep you saved. It's because you are saved. It's because you are a part of his family. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, is there anyone that would like for me to pray for them today? Now, me praying for you won't get you to heaven. Raising your hand won't get you into heaven. But you've trusted Christ in your heart. And now you want me to know that. And so silently, you're going to put your hand up. And I will pray for you without mentioning your name in my prayer. But just to let you know that I'm with you. And together, I'm welcoming you into God's family. Would there be anyone here today that would like me to know you're trusting Christ? So without saying a word right now, would you slip up your hand so I could see it? Is there anyone that today's the day you're trusting Christ? Anyone at all? Put it up. Put it up real high. Put it up, put it down. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right, now Christians, we began with saying, what crisis are you facing? Are you just saying, Lord, deliver me and you're going to walk away? Or are you going to say, Lord, would you save me from this? But what's the purpose in it? And whatever it is, I want it to bring glory to you. And he's going to. And you believe it because you're going to go into it God's way.
How many of you would like to have prayer because you're facing some of those kind of trials? And We're not comparing scars with scars and who's got the worst one. It's whatever it is to you and you want to be strong. And so you're saying, Pastor, pray for me because I'm at the point now that says, all right, Lord, what's the purpose in this? I'd like to learn all that I can. I want God to get glory through all of this. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here that would like to have prayer? Amen. 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 Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it will do its job in your timing for your glory. And whether we raised our hand or not, maybe today everything is going really good. All we need is to get in our car and it could all be bad. Or go to the doctor. Or get a phone call. But in any case, Lord, we want you to get the glory and help us to get into your word, to walk in your light, and to believe in you, and to experience being a child of the light because this world is in darkness and you've called us to it. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.